You are listening to the Mercy View podcast. Mercy View exists to be a gospel-centered family of missional disciples to the glory of God and for the city's good. For more information about Mercy View, please visit our website at mercyview.com. Now, let's taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's read the scripture. If you would stand with me, please. Be in Galatians 5, we'll pick it up in verse 16 and go to 23. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening. Good to see you. Welcome to Mercy View. You win an award for being here tonight. We're really testing our people on Super Bowl Sunday evening. This is why we moved our worship uh, gatherings to 5 o'clock for this night. To see who were the like gold star Christians here tonight. I'm joking. No, we had no idea if uh, we uh, would still be doing this even at this time. But as Ryan has said, as you've heard, so grateful for Memorial's generosity to us to be in this beautiful space for us to meet together uh, in person and glad to see you here um, tonight. Uh, Last summer, uh, my family and I took a much needed sabbatical for about three months And uh, one of the things that we did during our time together was just got away, got out of town. And uh, uh, we actually did this particular kind of vacation uh, towards the middle of July. And uh, it's a place we had actually went to uh, many, many years ago. Actually, I think it was year one of Mercy View. We went up to this uh, little farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, south central Kansas, and uh, had a great time. They had buffalo on their, their farm. It was, it's a neat little place. One of the things that we uh, didn't do the first time that we wanted to do this time was go to this apple orchard. There was this orchard right around the corner that we'd heard really great things about. Um, as you can imagine, last summer, so much was locked down. And so we thought, this is like something outside. This is going to be a lot of fun for us as a family. We'll go and, and, and do this, pick some apples. And so we got the crew together, drove to this apple orchard and showed up and uh, walked in and said, hey, we're here to uh, pick apples. And they looked at us and they said, you just missed apple season. I, we just thought, What? There's no apples here. They said, well, there's apples over here in this little room, you know, where they had already been picked. And we thought, man, this was such a bummer. We wanted to, as a family, do something like this together, pick apples together. Uh, the lady, though, said, there is something here, though, that you can pick. If you guys want to go and do this, I'll show you where this is at. There's some green beans to, to pick uh, down the way. And so uh, this lady who owned this orchard began to walk us down towards the green beans and talk about why it wasn't apple season anymore. 
And actually, she began to give us a, a whole picture of what her orchard does and all the different fruits and vegetables that they uh, grow there and, and how certain seasons are better than others, certain conditions are, are better than others. And uh, I will say the green beans were really awesome. Later that evening, we put, uh, cooked them in some bacon fat. It, they, they, were, they were really good. It was awesome. But uh, unbeknownst to me and really to our family, we hadn't even considered that there had to be certain conditions in place for apples to grow or really any fruit or vegetable to grow and that sometimes fruits and vegetables grow it better at different times of the year. So even though we weren't able to pick apples, we were able to pick green beans because for whatever reason at that point of the year, it was green bean season. The conditions were just right for green beans, but not apples. Our walk with the Lord, our spiritual lives with the Lord, have a similar um, rhythm. And what I mean is, is you and I, the Bible talks about, you just heard Ryan read from Galatians 5, we are, um, we are in the business of, of growing spiritual fruit. And there are certain conditions that have to be in place for that spiritual fruit to grow. If those conditions aren't in place, Spiritual fruit does not grow. The fruit of the Spirit can't grow. So what are those conditions for us? What are the things for, for, a, for an apple orchard or for a, for a place that grows you know, fruits and vegetables? You've got to have the right kind of soil and water and sun and, of course, the right season. And, and all that has to go together for, the, for those to grow at the right time. Same thing is true for us in our spiritual lives. There are certain conditions that you and I have to have in order for spiritual fruit to grow. What are those conditions? Have you ever thought about what those conditions are? What kind of conditions do you and I need? How do we grow spiritual fruit? We are in a multi-week series called Third Person, and we are looking at uh, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in, in our lives and in the life of this local church. Um, we're excited about this series. We're really spending a lot of our time in this series looking at the ways in which the Lord works in sanctification. We talked a little bit about salvation. We talked about the ways in which the Lord uses the Spirit to save us, to seal us, to indwell us. But now we're looking at the ways in which the Spirit uh, sanctifies us or continues to grow us in salvation. And most of the series is going to be centered around these ideas, and tonight is, is no exception. As we look at Galatians 5 tonight, I want us to really see one big idea, and here it is. The fruit of the Spirit is grown through the work of the Spirit, pointing us to Jesus. Let me just say that again. The fruit of the Spirit is grown through the work of the Spirit, pointing us to Jesus. Now, one of the hardest things that I think for us to understand as a Christian, this is really interesting because Ryan just came up right before the announcements and said, how can you sing a song, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere, when in your heart you know that you're conflicted? That's what I want to talk about just for a moment. One of the things that's really hard for us to understand as a Christian is how we can both feel like we are a Christian and how sometimes we don't feel like one as well. Sometimes it happens in the same breath, right? Sometimes it happens in the same minute. Why, is that? Why do we feel that way? I, I call it the Romans seven fifteen principle where Paul says, for I do not do what I want, but I, I do the very thing 
that I hate. Brian brought up another passage that says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That's, those statements are statements of, 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 of Christians who are looking inside their hearts and going, something doesn't add up here. Something isn't right. We, we get confused because we wonder if we're really changing. Like if we're really growing in Christ because of the reality of indwelling sin in our lives. And to be fair, sometimes we are getting in the way of spiritual fruit growing in our lives. But we think many times because we sin that, that surely we're not able then to grow the fruit of the Spirit. Or that the fruit of the Spirit isn't already living in us. But I want to encourage you right off the bat here as we talk about this idea of growing spiritual fruit about what Paul says in Philippians 1.6. He says this, he, God, who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. That passage is meant to remind us that if you are a believer, if God has saved you, the Spirit is at work. But he says, he who began a good work, the one who began the work in you, you can't undo that work. God does that work. He does that work. He begins that work in you, and he will bring it to completion. But the reality is, the day of Christ Jesus is ahead of us. So between now and then, you and I are in a tug of war between our flesh and for Christians with the Spirit. And we need to think about that tonight as we think about this idea of, of spiritual fruit. It, it might be helpful to think of it this way. If you know anything about fruit, uh, when fruit is growing, fruit starts really small. In the front, our front yard at our house, we have a, a little apple tree. That little apple tree makes little apples right now. But it makes bigger apples than it did a year ago or two years ago or three years ago when we first moved to this house. In 10 years, in 15, 20 years, it'll be making bigger apples. It'll be making normal-sized apples because it's going to be a full-size apple tree. That is a picture of you and I's spiritual life. The 15, 20, 30-year-old apple tree is us on the day of completion with Christ Jesus. But until that time, the fruit, you may look at the fruit in your life and think, man, it is small. It is growing really, really small. You might even miss it sometimes, but we've got to be really careful here. On the one hand, not to overlook how sin may be thwarting the growth of, of spiritual fruit in our lives, but on the other hand, not measuring our spiritual fruit in days and weeks and months even a year, I would say it's, it's better for us to measure the growth of our spiritual fruit in a year or two or three, to look back and go, have I grown in, and we're gonna talk about each fruit here in a moment, but have I grown in spiritual fruit in the last year? Can I look back and see that I, I have more joy, that I have more peace, that I have more self-control? I think that one of the things that Paul is wanting to do in Galatians 5 for us is to say that growing in the fruit of the Spirit, growing in these characteristics, growing in these qualities, is something for all of us. All of us are intended for the Spirit to grow fruit in us in an increasing measure, even if the growth is slow, even if the gro growth is small. We are growing in spiritual fruit, maybe, right? That's the, that's the rub. We've got to figure out why maybe we feel that we aren't growing in spiritual fruit. 
Maybe it would be helpful to review um, what the fruit of the Spirit is so that we can begin to lay these ideas that, that, that Paul is wanting to get across with the fruit of the Spirit over our lives and say, does this reflect me? And so here's what I want to do tonight. I'm going to roll through these fruit of the Spirit real quick. And I want you with each of these to just take kind of inventory of your own life and say, is this true of me? All right, let's just start beginning with the, the very first one, love. Now in the New Testament, love means serving the needs of other people for their sake, not for yours. Not for what you get out of it. So if you are growing in love, that means that you don't give up on people. It means that you don't play favorites because you don't pick and choose people who are going to care about you on the basis of, uh, of, of you or what you get, like the payoff is for you in that relationship. You treat others the way that you want to be treated. Now, joy. In the Bible, joy means to delight in God for who he is in himself. Not in the gifts that he gives, but just in him, who he is. So if you have joy in God, if you experience joy in who he is, not in whether or not he's giving you this or, or that thing, then you will actually have what I would call like an emotional even, evenness of, of keel because you will not be up and down. Next is peace. Peace is a trust in God. If you're growing in peace, you're becoming less and less anxious and worried about what is swirling around you, whether that's in your own family, in your marriage, or in your parenting with your kids, or in your relationships, dating relationships, in your work, or out there in culture, all that stuff that's swirling around you. If you're growing in peace, you're becoming less and less anxious about those things. Objectively, believers, if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, you have peace with God. And so you have positional peace with God, and, and there should, that should provide a lot of rest and a lot of peace for you. It's interesting, the word peace in the original languages is uh, the root of the English word serene, right? You've heard that word used to describe like a lake or a, a pond or just a, some body of water, right, where, where uh, it's, it's free of storms, it's free of unpleasant change, uh, it's clear, Stressing kind of this unclouded tranquil, uh, tranquilities, uh, tranquility, excuse me. That's our hearts in Christ with peace. Next is patience. This is the ability to suffer and even to be wronged without melting down and without becoming bitter. It's to be long-suffering. It's the state of emotional calm or quietness in the face of being uh, like someone provoking you, or, or maybe just misfortune that you've experienced. There are uh, folks that are, um, are growing in the fruit of patience, are great forbearers. Those with the fruit of patience have a long fuse, right? It takes a lot to phase them. Next is kindness. Kindness means that you have a gracious attitude. You're known for that. Like in your interactions with other people in person and online, you are known for being helpful. You are known for being beneficial. You have an unruffled uh, disposition, a disposition that desires to make those around you as happy as possible. Uh, Romans 2.4 says that it's, it's the Lord's kindness that leads to repentance. That picture 
should also be the picture of our lives. If we're growing in the, in, in the fruit of kindness, our kindness should be the kind in which others around us want to confess and come clean about the sin in their life because we're a safe place for them to do that. Next is goodness, very close cousin to kindness, but goodness is the idea of integrity or virtue. A person of integrity is someone who is the same with one group as another group. They're the same in private as they are in public. They're honest. You are a person who is transparent if you are uh, growing in the fruit of, of goodness. You're not spinning things with people. It's a moral goodness. It's a moral worth. It's being ruled by and aiming at what is always good. Next is faithfulness. Faithfulness is fearlessness and courage. It's being trustworthy and loyal and reliable and constant and dependable and devoted. It's someone who keeps their words. It's someone who keeps their promises. It's someone who, when they vow something to you, they keep it. And faithfulness is not just this idea of being faithful in small moments, but, but really faithfulness is about being um, all of those things that we just said over the course of a lifetime. To be faithful means to be faithful over the long term, over the course of many years. Next is gentleness. Gentleness is really the idea of humility. It's being a peacemaker. It's being a, a, a good listener. It's as author and pastor Tim Keller says, uh, he calls it blessed self-forgetfulness. It's not worrying about how you look. It's not worrying about how people are treating you all the time. It's meekness, not weakness. It's strength under control, power kept in reserve. And then lastly, self-control. This literally means holding oneself in or, or the ability to take a grip of yourself. Particularly in moments of temptation, in moments of, of, uh, of real trouble for you. To be self-controlled is to not live in, in bondage of your desires, of your passions, the appetites of your flesh. Somebody once said that the human body is a good servant, but a miserable master. If, if you... Uh, if your body is mastering you, you don't have the fruit of self-control. And it's important to say that inward strength is ultimately the power uh, of the Spirit in us. Like the, the ability to have self-control is not done through our own, own power, but through the power of the Spirit in us. And self-control, for me, I, I'm reminded a lot of athletes, right, who seek to be uh, self-restrained and self-disciplined to compete and to win, for the believer, self-control is the attitude that, that you and I need to have in order to win the prize of the upward call of, of God in Christ Jesus. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. And if you've noticed, I keep saying the fruit of the Spirit. If you'll notice in Galatians 5, Paul does not call these the fruits of the Spirit. He calls all of these together the fruit of the Spirit. I remember the first time I heard someone point this out to me, it, it really blew me away. I, I had never really noticed this. But here's what Paul is getting at. Um, he wants us to think of this, these, this list of the fruit of the Spirit as you would a diamond. Now, if you look at a diamond, a diamond is one thing. 
But on that diamond, you have many, many facets of the diamond. And so what Paul is saying is that uh, there should be qualities and characteristics of a believer. That is the one thing, and, and that one thing looks like all of these things. The many facets of the spiritual diamond, so to speak, are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those. That are, those are the facets of the, the diamond. You wouldn't consider all of those facets of a, of a diamond separate uh, things, right? It's a facet of the one. In the same way, Paul is wanting us to see here that the fruit of the Spirit includes all of these aspects. Without one of them, you're actually not walking in. Again, well, I think Paul is trying to get across to us what he, he would call supernatural spiritual character. So, that's the fruit of the Spirit. If you lay those fruit over your lives here tonight, how are you doing? Now, most of us, will begin to do that work and you're, you're good people so you're trying to follow my directions. You're going, okay, Brad, I'm, I'm going to try to lay love over my life. Do I measure up? And you immediately go, I just, I don't. Joy, no. Peace, no. <laughs> and we begin to feel this tension of, of this gap, right, between what we are being called to and what the, 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 the bar feels like for us and where we actually really are. Most of us will look at this list and say, well, Brad, I'm good at some of those things, but I, I'm not good at all of them. I do a few of those things really well, but I don't really have all of them down, Brad. Are you saying that I've got to have them all down? Some of you are saying, I'm okay over here with this one, but I'm not particularly okay over here with, with, a, with another one. Here's what Paul is saying to us, and this is one of the tensions that you and I will experience many times as we read the Scriptures we are called to things that feel way out of reach for us. But Paul is saying this to us tonight. He is saying it should be an impossibility for the Christian to not be growing in all of the fruit of the Spirit. Now we're going to talk about why here in just a moment, but he is saying this list describes the spiritual fruit of a Christian. When you look at your life, you should see that you are growing in love growing in joy, growing in peace, and, and so on. And again, we talked earlier about how you measure that. Not necessarily just last week. Have you grown in a week? Or have you grown in six months? But rather, what about a year ago to today? Or two years ago to today? These fruit of the Spirit are facets of a whole kind of quality that we are supposed to have as believers. We should be growing in all of these fruit in the same measure. measure. They should be working together in our lives. Let me maybe get at it this way. Would the people who know you best say that you're becoming harder, a harder and harder person to discourage because you are happier and full of, of joy, more so than you were a year ago? That you're becoming a harder and harder person to rattle because you're living in more peace and joy than you were a year ago. That you're becoming a harder and harder person to frustrate because you're a more gentler and more loving person than you were a year ago. Do the people around you, if you're married, your spouses, if you have kiddos that are able to kind of articulate this, like can they 
say this to you? Do the people who are close to you, friends, uh, family, uh, even maybe coworkers, could they say this? Oh, you're a lot humbler, a lot happier, a lot joyful, a lot more patient, a lot more peaceful, a less anxious person than you were a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. Can they say that about you? Some of you, in a really honest moment right now, would say, I, I don't think they could, Brad. I think that they, if they were being honest with me, if I'm being honest with me, um, I have either regressed or I've not grown in these spiritual qualities. I have good news for you if you feel that way tonight. There is hope. If you've noticed, I've been using language of growing in the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, for you and I as believers, the good news of the gospel tonight is that there is hope for us to grow from this point forward. So that in six months and in a year and two years, we can look back to this moment tonight and go, that's where things began to change for me because I began to do what we're getting ready to talk about here. Some of you need to know how to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in your life. No one's ever told you how to do it. So we want to serve you tonight and try to help you do that. There are certain conditions that need to be in place for you to grow spiritual fruit in your life. So if you would, look back with me, Galatians chapter 5, there in verse 16. You see language about gratifying the flesh, about not gratifying the flesh, uh, about the desires of the Spirit being against the flesh. The, then in beginning in, in verse 19, you heard Ryan read that really ugly list of... of, of uh, uh, the works of the flesh. And then in verse 24, though, we begin to see uh, our first clue about how you and I can cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. It says this. Let me just read it again in verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. All right, there's two things in that verse that we're going to look at real quick as we close this evening that will help you begin to grow spiritual life or continue to grow spiritual life in your life. The first thing is that, yes, you have to, with intention in your life, crucify your sinful nature. Paul is not using the word crucify here lightly, right? Paul is, is saying the problem with your flesh and with sin is that those things cannot be accommodated. We can't flirt with sin. It will take us over. We can't just sin a little. We are um, many times giving ground to sin in our lives and it will keep marching until it has conquered us and taken us over. That's where sin leads to. Sin leads to death. So... The question then is, how in the world do we kill the flesh? Here is what we typically do when we hear a command like this, i got to crucify the flesh. We look at our lives that we're living, and we see that the, the fruitful life that, that God calls us to live, and we go, all right, got to make a plan, and I've got to get, re get really serious about it. It's like those moments in the movies where the person says, God, if you'll just give me one more chance, you know, I'll be good from this point forward. We decide to act better, right? To be better. And though there is cooperation with the Spirit in crucifying our sinful nature, we participate with the Spirit in that. There are decisions that we do need to make to say no to sin, 
We don't change by just changing our behavior. If all we do is change our behavior, we find ourselves on a treadmill of frustration. And frankly, sometimes some people find themselves on a treadmill of doubt about their own faith. Why? Because doing better, being better doesn't change our hearts. Doing stuff doesn't change what is on the inside of us. Think about it if you have kids. You can tell if when your kid gets in trouble, you can tell them to stop doing that. And you may need to do that sometimes. But if you don't talk to them about why, or you don't try to understand what is in their heart so that you can understand how best to shepherd them so that they won't do that again in the future, um, all you're really doing is telling them to act better, to be better. There's no heart change there, it's just action change, right? It's the same idea here, the same principle. The good news of the gospel, friends, in our passage today is that we are given the solution to growing in spiritual fruit. It's in, in verse 18, look there, it says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What does that mean to be under the law? Well, it means that you can obey the law just because you want to please God, or you can obey the law because you feel, unless I obey the law, He's not going to love me. Unless I obey the law, God is not going to bless me. Unless I obey the law, I'm going to go to hell. Paul considers that being under the burden of the law, obeying the law out of fear. We do it because we feel like we have to, because we're afraid not to. But Paul says, no, listen, if you are a Christian, this is a truth claim that you can base your life on. You are not under the law. How? If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. How are we led by the Spirit? This is the second thing that we need, the condition that we need in order for spiritual fruit to grow in our lives. Verse 24, again, one more time. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature. Those who, have, who, who belong to Jesus are the ones who can crucify their sinful nature. In other words, Paul is saying those who already belong to Jesus, those who are already his, those who know they are his, are the ones who can, with my help, if you will cooperate with me, can crucify, can kill your sinful nature over the course of a lifetime. So, when we hear this idea of being led by the Spirit, this idea of being guided by the Holy Spirit, being directed by the Spirit, we can sometimes think, okay, what that means is um, I'm supposed to follow the Spirit. And that is in part what it means, but that's not what Paul means by being led by the Spirit here. What he means is to be a child of God means that you already have the Spirit of the Father residing in you. That's what it means to be a Christian. So friends, it's when you know that you belong to Jesus and that you are absolutely and completely unconditionally loved by Him, can you then crucify the flesh, crucify the passions and the desires of the flesh, and then grow into spirit, in spiritual fruit? The conditions that you need 
in order to crucify the sins of the flesh and grow in the Spirit really is just one thing. You need to know that you belong to Jesus. That's the conditions you need. And for some of you, it may sound so oversimplistic. Brad, you're saying, I just need to remind myself that I belong to Jesus. For the most part, yeah. Why is that so, sound so simple or even too simple? Well, we don't believe that God loves us through Jesus. We doubt that. We struggle because of our own sin, because of our doubt. But friends, I just want to say to you, Jesus is committed to you. It says right here, those who belong to Christ Jesus, you belong to him. That means he's committed to you. This is the big idea that I want to invite you to see. The fruit of the Spirit is grown through the work of the Spirit pointing us to Jesus. And here's what I want to close with. The way that we go from the works of the flesh to the fruit of the Spirit is through Jesus and the Spirit within us. And here's the good news. Man, this should give you guys so much hope. Um, it gives me hope. Do we know how to love Jesus well? We really don't. Does the Spirit? Yeah. The Spirit within you can help you love Jesus. Do you know how to draw into intimacy and proximity with Jesus? Man, a lot of us struggle with that, right? We may not really know how best to do that, but the good news is that the Spirit that lives within you does. Do we know how to grow in spiritual fruit? We struggle, right? But, but, but here we see that the Spirit can do that, can help us do that. He's living inside of us. He knows exactly how to lead us and to guide us and to form us and to convict us and shape us. And as the Spirit does His work, we move into, into deeper intimacy with Jesus. Our sin gets further and further away and our spiritual fruit grows bigger and bigger. We find that, that our lives and, and our church uh, is marked by more love, not hate. Uh, by joy, not being gloomy, right? Peace, not strife. Patience, not restlessness. Kindness, not uncharitableness. Goodness, not deceitfulness. Faithfulness, not fickleness. Gentleness, not harshness. And self-control, not gratification. Friend, you belong to Jesus. The Spirit is desiring to point you to Jesus so that you can know that you know that you belong to Him. And that's what grows fruit in our lives. You can grow spiritual fruit if you know that, if that condition is true for you. You can live out spiritual fruit in your life. The Spirit wants to help you. So our call as believers and as a church is to walk in the Spirit to be led by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is grown through the work of the Spirit, pointing us to Jesus. Let's pray together.